Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with Whistle Realty Group and EXP Realty here in San Diego. My name is Brian Kochi, Media and Marketing Director with uh, Whistle Realty Group in San Diego. All right. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out and crush it in your business, whether that be real estate, mortgage, or really any business out there. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. The best way to get those questions over to us is via thewhistleway.com. Um, not only can you ask questions on there, you can also join our Facebook group and engage with us and find out about some of the new stuff we're using in our business. You could join our um, referral network on there. You can subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and find out about our upcoming events like our Media Mayor Mastermind, which is a two-day deep dive into video and everything that Brian and I have learned over the last five and a half years. We're actually wrapping up our current one yes. very soon, aren't we? Yeah, this is last Wednesday. Oh, man. This is the last week. So it'll be fun to debrief after this. Yeah, I'm curious what the next what next will happen. So maybe yeah. that'll be another podcast. Cool. So Brian, what is and that's again the whistleway.com to yep. uh, get connected to all that fun stuff. What are we talking about today? So today, um, I've been with you for five and a half years. Um, I've seen kind of the ebbs and flows of the market kind of come and go. Um, and this market that we're in now, mid COVID is is similar to what we've seen in the past, but it's also probably one of the most aggressive markets right now. Um, and I people always ask me, because I work in real estate, even though I don't sell real estate, they ask me what's going on. I always preface it and say, I have no idea. But if I were to guess, at the end of 2020, if we could see two different paths, one with COVID, one without COVID, I think at the end of the year, the same number of houses are going to sell. But... Well, I didn't know COVID was going to do round two in San Diego. Um, but if that were to happen, that means we're going to have a much comp more compressed selling cycle, which means it's a super competitive market. So what I want to talk to you about and I, what I want you to talk to everyone about is how do you right now we're seeing people put in multiple offers. We have low inventory of listings. We have more buyers coming out and saying, hey, I'm sick of my house. Let's move into a better one or, you know. Whatever, whatever the reason, how do we, um, or how do, do agents win in these multiple offer situations? It, when inventory is low, when buyer demand is high, how do you win? Yeah. Here's the easiest, most important thing. Good, this is going to be a short one. Just follow the effing directions. <laughs> Just read the effing MLS, okay? You would be amazed. Every So... This is something important in business. If you have a marketing piece that has a phone number, that phone number better be a number that can receive text messages. You should not have a single piece of marketing that has a phone number that doesn't receive text messages. And here's why. We have our office number on the MLS, right? Just like everybody else has their office number on there. Well, everybody just assumes that it's a number that can receive text. People just assume every number is a cell phone today. <laughs> Right? I mean, I haven't had a landline for at least 10 years. I've never had one since I've moved out of my parents' house. Yeah. So people just assume every phone is a cell phone these days and can receive text messages, but they're not. And if you have a phone number that can't receive text, people are trying to text your number and you're not receiving them. Some of those are going to be dumbass agents who don't follow directions, like the ones that I get because <laughs> I have the number, uh, the office line. I have the texts that go to that office line come to me. I receive two to four text messages every single day on that number 
And here's why it's annoying. You guys are like, well, why is that a big deal? People are texting it. Because the MLS specifically says, call this agent for questions. Here's the name. Here's the phone number. Specifically says it. Showing, and then, so there's confidential remarks. It says who to call, right? And what the phone number is. The showing instructions say, here's how to schedule your showing. But every day, I get two to four messages. One, asking questions about the house, even though it says, call this person. And then two, I get people who are trying to schedule showings via a text message to an office line, even though the showing instructions say, go to this website. So what do you think goes through a listing agent's head when an agent doesn't follow directions from the get-go? They're probably going to be a joy to work with. They're probably going to be so pleasant. <laughs> I mean, if they don't follow directions in the beginning, I'm sure it's going to get better later, right? Obviously. Like, Why not? I mean, if, if, if your marriage is screwed up, you should probably go, or I'm sorry, if your relationship screwed up, you should probably go get married. Like, that's going to make it better, right? Like, it's going to help your relationship. Problem Maybe even solved. have some kids and stuff, too. Uh, like, that always <laughs> makes things better when your relationship screwed up. That's a weird jump to go from. It is, though, to, but it's true. No, it, not, not what you said, because people say that, but go from not following instructions <laughs> to, anyway, that was weird. Yeah, it's called an analogy, Brian. It's not a great so one. It wasn't your if best. If a relationship is already bad because the dumbass agent can't follow the simple instructions on the MLS, it's not going to get any better when you get into an escrow together. It's just going to get worse. Oh, okay. I, that's I, where I'm going that's with where it, you're Brian. Going with it. Yeah. it took you a minute. It took me a minute. Well, you cut me off. I know. So <laughs> it's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse, just like the analogy, okay? So that's the number one. So simple, right? Just read. The effing instructions on the MLS. Read the confidential remarks. Read the showing instructions, and also in those showing or in the confidential remarks, a lot of times it'll tell you how to submit the offer. Some agents want you to fax them an offer. There's still agents out there that do that. There's agents that want you to email an offer, and they'll often tell you which email address to send the offer to. Also in those confidential remarks, there might be a website that people want you to upload an offer to, like we use. Wait, uh, actually, I want to back up a little bit before we go into submitting the offer. If you don't have a textable phone number, where do you get that? Uh, we use Ring Central is the system that we use, which can receive text messages. Google Voice is another very good free option. Ring Central is expensive. Um, but if you, as your company grows, you need systems that cost money. Um, with your smaller, Google Voice is a great office line number, and you can have it ring like three different phones. It's pretty flexible. Google cool. Voice is a really good option. All right, sorry, go back right. to that so submitting offer. Also, there's, it's going to tell you how they want the offer submitted. It's also going to tell you maybe they want you to cross-qualify with their lender. So here's the deal. What it says in there, effing do it. <laughs> don't fight it. Don't argue it. Don't, don't well, what if, uh, what about, uh, what? Uh, shut up. Just follow the damn instructions. They put them there for a reason. If you don't follow them, you're telling them that I don't follow instructions. What kind of an escrow is this going to be? It's going to be a shit show. I don't want to go into escrow with somebody who's going to be a shit show. I want to go into escrow with somebody who follows every instruction to a T. Calls the person they're supposed to call. Submits the offer the way they're supposed to submit it. Cross qualifies with the lender they're supposed to cross qualify for. That's the person I want to work with. So, okay, so it says submit an offer to this email address or um, this website. I, I know one of the things you like to do is you like to call the listing agent. Do you do that? I'm getting there. Okay. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm just, I'm starting with the basics, okay. which is just following instructions. Okay, got See? it. Very, very difficult for real estate agents. It's far more difficult than anyone would think. The funniest part, the one I just got in between episodes, is it's somebody who 
already had texted the office line once and I sent, I have like a preset, a template, right? That I send out like, hey, you've texted the office line. Make sure to read the confidential remarks on the MLS. Same person just texted the damn office line again. Like the thread was already in their phone. Like they've already done this shit once. They're doing uh. it a second time. Like, man. It's insane. What you should do then is just screenshot. <laughs> Even though it's in the thread, just screenshot okay. the thread and then send yeah, it back. Yeah, maybe to you want to save this number as like, don't text this oh, number. Oh, jeez. All right. Um, so that's number one. Follow the instructions. It's amazing what will happen. Because if we're going to be in a 30 to 60-day relationship with each other when we go under contract, I'd like to go into that relationship with somebody I like. Yep. Somebody that's going to follow the instructions I've laid out there. Not somebody who's going to try to fight it and can't follow instructions. That's not who I want to spend the next 30 to 60 days with. Number two is you have to actually pick up the phone and talk to people. Got to have a conversation. You don't negotiate over text and email. You negotiate over the phone or in person, uh, which is rare and weird right now in the middle of COVID. So traditionally, you got to pick up the phone, have a conversation because I say this a lot, but the title on my license says salesperson. If I talk to you on the phone, I could read you over the phone based on the questions I ask, how you respond to them, your tone of voice, the speed in which you respond, the confidence level with which you're um, responding. I could read a lot, and I could ask probing questions that can get you to talk. That's a lot harder to do over text and a lot harder to do over email because there's Moravian's model that talks about communication. Only 7% of the words that we say get um, are effectively communicated via text. Then it's like 48% or the tone with which we say them and 55% the body language. I can hear your tone over the phone and I can pick up a lot on your body language over the phone. I can't do either of those in a text message. So you gotta actually pick up the phone. So um, before you, <laughs> I thought I was gonna sneeze and didn't come out. Oh, um, thanks. Before you write an offer, pick up the phone and have a conversation with the listing agent. And let them know, hey, Brian, how's it going? Okay, I was calling about 123 Main Street. I wanted to find out, are there any offers on the table? We'll just role play this. Cool. No. 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 Okay, cool. Well, I'm sure you saw we showed the property yesterday. My client absolutely loves the property. They're considering putting an offer in. But before we do, I wanted to just have a conversation with you first. I wanted to find out what's important to you in an offer. I know every situation's a little bit different. Every seller's a little bit different. You know, what's your seller's situation and, and how can I write an offer that's gonna be most appealing to them? Yeah, so they have a 18 year old daughter who's graduating high school, but that won't happen for obviously, you know, three more months because it's some weird high school that <laughs> graduates in November, whatever. So, uh, so yeah, they wanna live in the house for the next three months before they actually move. Okay, so it sounds like having a rent back built into the deal would be something that's important to them? Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Um, and then is there anything else that's going to be important for you in the offer? I want to make sure I write it as, as cleanly as possible for you. Um, just come back, come in with your highest number. That's uh, really what we're looking for. Okay, and just out of curiosity, is there a magic number that we could come in at today that we could get a deal done? I mean, as high as you want to go, it's listed at 890, so... Uh... We expect a lot of offers. I realized I should have said we had offers earlier on because we we're talking about multiple offer situations. Okay. So we've already had several offers. So uh -huh. uh, just come in with your highest number. Okay. I mean, my client's the kind of person, they, if they could avoid getting into a bidding war, they would. I mean, if we came in $10,000 over the list price, do you think that might be a, a number that's attractive enough for the seller to just take it and run with it? 
Uh, you're going to have to go a little higher than that. Okay. Wouldn't make 20 maybe get it done? Yeah, that might work. Okay. Cool. Well, let me see what I can do for you. God, I don't want to negotiate against <laughs> you. Fuck. <laughs> um, but you, so you guys get an example there, right? Like I'm finding out what's important to them, right? I want to know because what a lot of people do is they just assume, let me write the quickest close possible. And they write an offer with a 21-day close. But in that scenario, they needed three months. Well, that 21-day close is actually what you thought was making your offer more attractive actually made it less attractive because you didn't listen to the seller, but you didn't listen because you didn't ask. So you didn't even know. That's why you got to ask questions and you got to find it out. Because if I know that's important, when we come in and we're giving them all the terms that they want, they're like, oh, this person, they understand me, right? They're listening to me. They're on my side. That goes a long way. So don't assume somebody wants a short escrow or a long escrow. Maybe they want to rent back, right? There's a lot of variables that can go into it. So have a conversation, ask those questions to a listing agent. Uh, maybe a listing agent's like, hey, you know what? We're really concerned about the appraisal on this one. I'm concerned that this is a very common one right now. I'm really concerned that the property's not going to appraise. Okay. Would it help our offer out if my client was willing to put in writing that they would cover the appraisal shortage if one should occur? What's the listing agent? Well, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, this Absolutely. is what you do. This, But you, how are you doing this over text? Right? Like, you're not. It's not the same over text. You got to have the conversation. And then you saw, right? Then I started to ask some probing questions about price. Like when you ask a listing agent 99% of the time, like, hey, where do we need to come in at to get a deal done? They're not going to tell you a number. But what did I then do is I threw a number out there. And that's where the importance of the phone call comes into play because based on how he responds, I know if he's telling the truth or not. If he responds quick, not a chance, dude. Like, Nope, it's going to be more than that. Like he's going to, he could shut me down. Or when I threw that 10 number out, I could see that he hesitated, which showed me the door was open at that point. Um, so you could read people a lot better over a phone call than a text message. So you got to pick up the phone, got to have a conversation. So now write the offer the way that you discussed it with the agent, submit it the way that the agent requested it to be submitted, and then pick up the effing phone and call again and follow up. Hey, Brian. I uh, just want to give you a call. I know we talked about us putting an offer together. I got that offer in and I submitted it over to you. Um, so I did everything that we talked about. We did it with the rent back in there. Um, you know, we did it without with us covering the appraisal shortage just in case that comes up. I know you said that that was important to you. So I really wanted to make it as appealing of an offer as I could so we could just get this thing done today. Um, just as a heads up, they're working with my preferred lender. I've worked with them for over 20 years. He's helped at least 200 of our clients. He's amazing. He's already checked their credit scores. Their mid score is an 800. Um, these guys are putting 30% down. They're not contingent on selling. These guys are super motivated. Their mom actually grew up in the neighborhood. Um, so they, you know, they were split between their mom and dad, but they used to ride bikes on the street. Like this is going to be a perfect home for them. So um, you know, really looking forward to hearing from you. When can I expect a response? That's my favorite. I love, I love that question. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to bring it to my sellers. Um, in three days In three days yeah yeah i mean i i definitely can understand where you're coming from probably want to wait it out and try to get the highest offer you can um you know my my buyers really want to get something done so i understand that, that you want to wait out the market but if you could go to your sellers and and just come back with a buy now price just to get the deal done now um just come back with a number right and i'll present it maybe they'll take it maybe they won't but let's let's see we never know unless we try right 
So okay. let's, let's see what that would take. I'm sure you don't want to take all the phone calls that are coming in, right? Nope. I know these agents are super annoying. They've been texting my <laughs> office line. Can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's see what a number looks like for them that would get this thing done. Cool. Um, so something like that. Um, but making that follow-up conversation, that goes a, a long way. And then we have our lender follow-up. And a lot of times we'll have the lender shoot screenshots over like of their DU approval or of their credit scores. We'll have a, the lender follow-up. So that way we present ourselves as a team. Um, that goes a long way. And then the third thing that I want to touch on is when you include the offer, um, you want to include one of two things. You either want to have a love letter, which is a letter written by the family. Maybe you give them a little guidance on how to write it. But just talking about, hey, we're the Kochi family. We have 44 cats. We have a baby on the way, born and raised in the neighborhood, right? And, and we love this home. We can see raising um, you know, our new baby and everything here. And, and there's plenty of room for cat condos. We can actually do the six-story cat condo we've been wanting. Like, it's going to be amazing, right? Like, you tell the story in that letter. Put a picture, a nice family picture of everybody and all the cats running around. Like, that goes a long way. Um, so that's been around for a while, um, and I love it. And here's a little trick. When you do that, make that the first page of the offer. Don't make it a separate file, because the listing agent is not going to send that to the seller. Make it page one of the offer. That way, it's with the offer. It's not a separate file, because when the agent forwards it over to the seller, they're not going to forward the letter. I know I don't ever forward the letter. I don't want my sellers. I make the seller aware that I received a, a letter. But I encourage them not to look at well, it. And it's it's more work if you're if you have to forward several attachments. You gotta you gotta download them, forward them, whatever. Yeah. And it's and if if you're the listing agent, and it's page one in the let or in the offer, it's a lot more work to take strip, that thing out. Strip pages. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody knows how to strip a page out of a PDF file. Um, so that goes a long way. Uh, and then if you want to really take it to another level, is to actually shoot a video of your clients. And ideally, you'd shoot that video with your clients standing in front of the house. So if you're at a house and your clients know they love it and they want it, right then and there, be like, just grab your phone and just hold it up and just let them rip and just let them pour their heart out. And hi, we're the coach family, and, and just go for it. Those videos, because now, again, it's not just text, not just you know words, it's body language. And now they see the family, the visual, and they see the emotion. that um, goes a long way. So those are your three things, follow instructions, have conversations with the agent prior to and after sending the offer and include a love letter or a love video. Are there any situations where you wouldn't uh, include a love letter? No. What if it's an investor that's flipping it? Still, talk about their love for the neighborhood and how they like to you know, beautify the neighborhood and they, they want to take this home that they know, right? Because usually if it's an investor, they're buying something that's a dilapidated house. Um, but somebody like grew up and raised their kids there. Like, I want to, you know, bring this house back and put a family in there just like yours, and they can raise their kids. Like, you still, it's a, still a love letter, even if it's cool. an investor. So, cool. Yeah. So that's what we got for you guys. The way we like to finish the show out is to talk about something we're utilizing in our business that either saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have more fun. We like to refer to this as the whistle widget of the week. What do you got for us, Brian? So mine, I've noticed I've done this a lot lately, is definitely going more towards the camera nerd group of the situation. Um, of the situation, huh? Shut up. Audience? Yeah, whatever. Um, the situation from Jersey Shore watches the show. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so what I have, I got from a group of photographers I'm on a Facebook group with. Um, and I was noticing when I was taking pictures of houses, I was always picking things, my flash up, putting it down, picking it up, putting it down, putting it on the table, then having to go back to get it. 
should have grabbed it first. And so what mine is, is it's a handle and a belt clip. These are actually a couple different pieces um, to where I can attach this to my flash. So now it's one, it's really easy to hold. And then I can clip it onto my belt so that way it's always on me. So now I have my uh, iPad that's strapped around my shoulder. I have my uh, flash on my belt so that way I don't have to keep picking it up and putting it down. It makes it really much easier to move my tripod around the house without, because I mean, I would always set the tripod up and go, now where did I put my flash? And it was in the last bathroom, my photograph downstairs, it was a pain in the ass. So this, I think this setup with the quick release, the handle and the belt clip was probably 35 bucks. Uh, and you could use this for non-photography stuff like a, uh, I could see somebody like breaking into your house and you grabbing that and just flashing it in their face over and over so again to, de full, to defend full yourself. Full brightness. I've, I've thought about that. Full <laughs> brightness. This is really bright. I've also thought, especially during COVID, it's super sketchy when I put a it's a pistol grip on this hand on this flash, put it on my belt, put on my face mask, put on my gloves, and then walk up to the door. I always I'm waiting for the cops to get called on me. Because uh, that's going to be a situation that's going to be interesting. You're a pretty intimidating looking guy. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously, with my button up and, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Kyle's making fun of my lack of physical strength. Whatever. You can run like a mofo, though. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> uh, mine is going to follow up on one we talked about on a previous episode. There's a company called Moft, M-O-F-T. And they make devices that... Um, just help make your life a little bit easier. Um, and so this one's cool. One of the big trends over the last decade, really, I, I just had my on this day on Facebook show when I got my first stand-up desk, and it was like 10 years ago now. Um, so it's become very popular to have stand-up desk. But a lot of times when you're out you know, on the move, you don't really have a way to do a stand-up desk. Or I've seen people like take a trash can and flip it upside down <laughs> and put a, uh, put a, their laptop on top of that or grab like a cardboard box and put it on there. Um, which is cool, but it. it's, it's <laughs> tacky. Um, so this little device right here, this thing is, I mean, less than an inch thick, weighs a few pounds, um, but this is by Moft. And so this thing will go into a variety of configurations. Think I can do it on the first try? I'm going to say yes. Yeah. He only practiced it like 15 times off camera. So. <laughs> so this little thing that started out super flat now becomes a beautiful tabletop that I could throw my laptop on and... Voila, I have a stand-up workstation now. And it's probably, really what, about a cool. foot tall? Yeah, it lifts it up about a foot. So now instead of having to look down at the ground, this thing is at perfect height for me as a stand-up workstation. I can't hear you. Well, now it's at a perfect height as a stand-up workstation. If you guys want to see this, check it out on YouTube. We are also live in our Facebook group right now, The Whistle Way. So if you want to see what it looks like, um, just check us out on YouTube as well. Yeah. But this guy, how much does it cost? Um, I don't know. I got it on Indiegogo. Oh. Uh, I've become a big fan of that. So, And then when you're done, this thing just folds up, and boom, throw this in the laptop bag, and you're off. So that way you could essentially have a stand-up desk anywhere you're at just by carrying this one little thing around with you. See, you're willing to gamble on Indiegogo. I'm like, nah, I'll wait two years to see if it actually works. <laughs> Indiegogo, you could find some cool stuff. Um, yeah, I got another one, though, that I've been waiting for over a year on. Mm -hmm. Indiegogo is a risk. But this one is now publicly available. I just got it a lot cheaper because I rolled the dice. But it's what, about how much? Maybe 50 bucks, cool. I would guess. Something like that. So I got two of these. I got one to keep at each office. So now whenever I'm at an office and I'm not at my desk, I could just pop this little bad boy up and have my stand-up station even when I'm out and about. So. And it's it's surprisingly hefty. I, I was oh, expecting it to be, 
you know, cardboard and, and, and fabric. It's got no, it some magnets to it. Because it has to. Otherwise, it's going to be wobbling all over. Yeah. It's very sturdy. That's um, great. But it's still thin at the same time. It's, it's not going to take up a ton of space in your bag. So that it's by Moft, M-O-F-T. I believe it's the Moft Z is what they call this one. Um, but it's a five and one. And it has a bunch of angles, too. So that's the highest angle. It has a couple different options that you can do with it. Um, you go 25, 35, 45, 60 degree or straight up standing. Um, so there's a lot of options with it, which is really cool. So is that for like if you have an iPad? Um, you could do it for iPads or if you just want to like prop it up. There's a lot of flexibility with it. I don't think the 60 degree angle you want your your laptop on. <laughs> I guess maybe no. I don't know yeah. any reason why you do It'd that. Be a little weird. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hopefully you got value out of the show today. Again, if you have questions you want to have us answer on a future episode of the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. Um, you can ask us questions on there. Join our Facebook group. You can watch these live before they get released um, and find out about some of the cool tools we're using in our business. Uh, you can join our referral network, subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, and find out about upcoming events that we have going on, like our media mayor mastermind. So hopefully you guys got value out of the show today. Go ahead and go to thewhistleway.com to get on all of that stuff. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Whistleway Podcast. We'll see you next week.